Chapter Fourth of *The Heart of Midlothian* by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. My native land, good night, Lord Byron. In the present day, a journey from Edinburgh to London is a matter at once safe brief and simple however inexperienced or unprotected the traveller numerous coaches of different rates of charge and as many packets are perpetually passing and repassing betwixt the capital of britain and her northern sister so that the most timid or indolent may execute such a journey upon a few hours notice but it was different in seventeen thirty seven so slight and infrequent was the intercourse betwixt london and edinburgh that men still alive remember that upon one occasion the mail from the former city arrived at the general post office in scotland with only one letter in it the usual mode of travelling was by means of post-horses the traveller occupying one and his guide another in which manner by relays of horses from stage to stage the journey might be accomplished in a wonderfully short time by those who could endure fatigue to have the bones shaken to pieces by a constant change of those hacks was a luxury for the rich the poor were under the necessity of using the mode of conveyance with which nature had provided them with a strong heart and a frame patient of fatigue genie deans travelling at the rate of twenty miles a day and sometimes farther traversed the southern part of scotland and advanced as far as durham hitherto she had been either among her own country folk or those to whom her bare feet and tartan screen were objects too familiar to attract much attention but as she advanced she perceived that both circumstances exposed her to sarcasm and taunts which she might otherwise have escaped and although in her heart she thought it unkind and inhospitable to sneer at a passing stranger on account of the fashion of her attire yet she had the good sense to alter those parts of her dress which attracted ill-natured observation her checked screen was deposited carefully in her bundle and she conformed to the national extravagance of wearing shoes and stockings for the whole day she confessed afterwards that besides the waistriff it was lang or she could walk so comfortably with the shoes as without them but there was often a bit soft heather by the roadside and that helped her well on the want of the screen which was drawn over the head like a veil she supplied by a bon grace as she called it a large straw bonnet like those worn by the english maidens when labouring in the fields but i thought unco shame of myself she said the first time i put on a married woman's bon grace and me a single maiden 
with these changes she had little as she said to make her kenspeckle when she didna speak but her accent and language drew down on her so many jests and jibes couched in a worse patois by far than her own that she soon found it was her interest to talk as little and as seldom as possible she answered therefore civil salutations of chance passengers with a civil curtsey and chose with anxious circumspection such places of repose as looked at once most decent and sequestered she found the common people of england although inferior in courtesy to strangers such as was then practised in her own more unfrequented country yet upon the whole by no means deficient in the real duties of hospitality she readily obtained food and shelter and protection at a very moderate rate which sometimes the generosity of mine host altogether declined with a blunt apology thee hast a long way afore thee lass and i's never take penny out of a single woman's purse it's the best friend thou can have on the road it often happened too that mine hostess was struck with the tidy nice scotch body and procured her an escort or a cast in a wagon for some part of the way or gave her a useful advice and recommendation respecting her resting places at york our pilgrim stopped for the best part of a day partly to recruit her strength partly because she had the good luck to obtain a lodging in an inn kept by a countrywoman partly to indict two letters to her father and reuben butler an operation of some little difficulty her habits being by no means those of literary composition that to her father was in the following words dearest father i make my present pilgrimage more heavy and burdensome through the sad occasion to reflect that it is without your knowledge which god knows was far contrary to my heart for scripture says that the vow of the daughter should not be binding without the consent of the father wherein it may be i have been guilty to take this weary journey without your consent nevertheless it was borne in upon my mind that i should be an instrument to help my poor sister in this extremity of necessity otherwise i would not for wealth or for world's gear or for the whole lands of dalkeith and lugton have done the like of this without your free will and knowledge o oh, dear father as ye would desire a blessing on my journey and upon your household speak a word or write a line of comfort to yon poor prisoner if she has sinned she has sorrowed and suffered and ye can better than me that we maun forgive others as we pray to be forgiven 
dear father forgive my saying this muckle for it doth not become a young head to instruct grey hairs but i am so far from ye that my heart yearns to ye all and fain would i hear that ye had forgiven her trespass and so i no doubt say more than may become me the folk here are civil and like the barbarians unto the holy apostle have shown me much kindness and there are a sort of chosen people in the land for they have some kirks without organs that are like ours and are called meeting-houses where the minister preaches without a gown but most of the country are prelatists while is awful to think and i saw twa men that were ministers following huns as bald as roslin or dryden the young laird of loop the dyke or any wild gallant in lothian a sorrowful sight to behold oh dear father may a blessing be with your down-lying and uprising and remember in your prayers your affectionate daughter to command jean deans a postscript bore i learned from a decent woman a grazier's widow that they have a cure for the muriel in cumberland whilk is an pint as they call it of yeal whilk is a dribble in comparison of our gauzy scots pint and hardly a muchkin boiled with soap and hartshorn draps and tombed down the creature's throat with one horn ye might try it on the bosun-faced year-old quay and it does no good it can do no ill she was a kind woman and seemed skeely about horned beasts when i reach lunnon i intend to gang to our cousin mrs glass the tobacconist at the sign of the thistle what is so civil as to send you down your spleechin for ains a year and as she must be well kenned in lunnon i doubt not easily to find out where she lives being seduced into betraying our heroine's confidence thus far we will stretch our communication a step beyond and impart to the reader her letter to her lover mr reuben butler hoping this will find you better this comes to say that i have reached this great town safe and am not wearied with walking but the better for it and i have seen many things which i trust to tell you one day also the muckle kirk of this place and all around the city are mills while havna muckle wheels nor mill dams but gang by the wind strange to behold and miller asked me to gang in and see it work but i would not for i am not come to the south to make acquaintance with strangers i keep the straight road and just back if anybody speaks to me civilly and answers nobody with the tongue but women of my own sect i wish mr butler i kenned anything that would make ye well for they have more medicines in this town of york than would cure all scotland and surely some of them would be good for your complaints if ye had a kindly motherly body to nurse ye and know to let ye waste yourself with reading 
whilk ye read more than enough with the bairns in the school and to give ye warm milk in the morning i would be more easy for ye dear mr butler keep a good heart for we are in the hands of one that kens better what is good for us than we ken what is for ourselves i have no doubt to do that for which i am come i canna doubt it i winna think to doubt it because if i havena full assurance how shall i bear myself with earnest entreaties in the great folk's presence but to ken that one's purpose is right and to make their hearts strong is the way to get through the worst days dark the bairn's rhyme says the worst blast of the borrowing days couldna kill the three silly poor hoglams and if it be god's pleasure we that are cindered in sorrow may meet again in joy even on this hither side of jordan i dinna bid ye mind what i said at our partin anent my poor father and that misfortunate lassie for i ken you will do so for the sake of christian charity whilk is more than the entreaties of her that is your servant to command genie deans this letter also had a postscript dear reuben if ye think that it would have been right for me to have said more and kinder things to ye just think that i have written so since i am sure that i wish all that is kind and right to ye and by ye ye will think i am turned waster for i wear clean hose and shoon every day but it's the fashion here for decent bodies and ilka land has its own landlaw over and aboon all if laughing days were ever to come back again till us ye would laugh well to see my round face at the far end of a straw bongrace that looks as muckle and round as the middle aisle in liberton kirk but it sheds the sun well off and keeps uncivil folk from staring as if one were a worry cow i shall tell ye by writ how i come on with the duke of argyle when i won up to lennon direct a line to say how ye are to me to the charge of mrs margaret glass tobacconist at the sign of the thistle lennon whilk if it assures me of your health will make my mind so muckle easier excuse bad spelling and writing as i have an ill pen the orthography of these epistles may seem to the southron to require a better apology than the letter expresses though a bad pen was the excuse of a certain galwegian laird for bad spelling but on behalf of the heroine i would have them to know that thanks to the care of butler genie deans wrote and spelled fifty times better than half the women of rank in scotland at that period whose strange orthography and singular diction form the strongest contrast to the good sense which their correspondence usually intimates for the rest in the tenor of these epistles genie expressed perhaps more hopes a firmer courage and better spirits than she actually felt 
but this was with the amiable idea of relieving her father and lover from apprehensions on her account which she was sensible must greatly add to their other troubles if they think me well and like to do well said the poor pilgrim to herself my father will be kinder to effie and butler will be kinder to himself for i ken well that they will think more of me than i do of myself accordingly she sealed her letters carefully and put them into the post-office with her own hand after many inquiries concerning the time which they were likely to reach edinburgh when this duty was performed she readily accepted her landlady's pressing invitation to dine with her and remain till the next morning the hostess as we have said was her countrywoman with the eagerness with which scottish people meet communicate and to the extent of their power assist each other although it is often objected to us as a prejudice and narrowness of sentiment seems on the contrary to arise from a most justifiable and honourable feeling of patriotism combined with a conviction which if undeserved would long since have been confuted by experience that the habits and principles of the nation are a sort of guarantee for the character of the individual at any rate if the extensive influence of this national partiality be considered as an additional tie binding man to man and calling forth the good offices of such as can render them to the countryman who happens to need them we think it must be found to exceed as an active and efficient motive to generosity that more impartial and wider principle of general benevolence which we have sometimes seen pleaded as an excuse for assisting no individual whatever mrs bickerton lady of the ascendant of the seven stars in the castle gate york was deeply infected with the unfortunate prejudices of her country indeed she displayed so much kindness to jeanie deans because she herself being a merce woman marched with midlothian in which jeanie was born showed such motherly regard to her and such anxiety for her farther progress that jeanie thought herself safe though by temper sufficiently cautious in communicating her whole story to her mrs bickerton raised her hands and eyes at the recital and exhibited much wonder and pity but she also gave some effectual good advice she required to know the strength of jeanie's purse reduced by her deposit at liberton and the necessary expense of her journey to about fifteen pounds this she said would do very well providing she could carry it all safe to london safe answered jeanie i's warrant my carrying it safe bating the needful expenses ay but highwaymen lassie said mrs bickerton for ye are come into a more civilized that is to say a more roguish country than the north and how ye are to get forward i do not profess to know 
if ye could wait here eight days our wagons would go up and i would recommend you to joe broadwheel who would see you safe to the swan and two necks and dinna sneeze at joe if he should be for drawing up with you continued mrs bickerton her acquired english mingling with her national or original dialect he's a handy boy and a wanter and no lad better thought of on the road and the english make good husbands enough witness my poor man moses bickerton as is in the kirkyard jeanie hastened to say that she could not possibly wait for the setting forth of joe broadwill being internally by no means gratified with the idea of becoming the object of his attention during the journey a will lass answered the good landlady when thou must pickle in thine own poke-nook and buckle thy girdle thine own gate but take my advice and hide thy gold in thy stays and keep a piece or two and some silver in case thou best spoke withal for there's as would lads haunt within a day's walk from hence as on the braes of down in perthshire and lass thou mauna go staring through lunnon asking what kens mrs glass at the sign of the thistle marry they would laugh thee to scorn but gang thou to this honest man and she put a direction into jeanie's hand he kens most part of the sponsible scottish folk in the city and he will find out your friend for thee jeanie took the little introductory letter with sincere thanks but something alarmed on the subject of the highway robbers her mind recurred to what ratcliffe had mentioned to her and briefly relating the circumstances which placed a document so extraordinary in her hands she put the paper he had given her into the hand of mrs bickerton the lady of the seven stars did not indeed ring a bell because such was not the fashion of the time but she whistled on a silver call which was hung by her side and a tight serving-maid entered the room tell dick ostler to come here said mrs bickerton dick ostler accordingly made his appearance a queer knowing shambling animal with a hatchet face a squint a game arm and a limp dick ostler said mrs bickerton in a tone of authority that showed she was at least by adoption yorkshire too thou knowest most people and most things of the road ay ay god help me mistress said dick shrugging his shoulders betwixt a repentant and a knowing expression ay i have knowed a thing or twa in my day mistress he looked sharp and laughed looked grave and sighed as one who was prepared to take the matter either way canst thou this wee bit paper among the rest man said mrs bickerton handing him the protection which ratcliffe had given jeanie deans when dick had looked at the paper he winked with one eye extended his grotesque mouth from ear to ear like a navigable canal stretched his head powerfully and then said can ay maybe we can sum it and it werena for harm to him mistress 
none in the world said mrs bickerton only a dram of hollands to thyself man and thou wilt speak why then said dick giving the headband of his breeches a knowing hoist with one hand and kicking out one foot behind him to accommodate the adjustment of that important habiliment i dares to say the pass will be canned well enough on the road and that be all but what sort of a lad was he said mrs bickerton winking to jeanie as proud of her knowing ostler why what can i jim the rat why he was cock of the north within this twelvemonth he and scotch wilson handle dandy as they called him but he's been out of this country a while as i reckon but any gentleman as keeps the road of this side stamford will respect jim's pass without asking farther questions the landlady filled dick ostler a bumper of hollands he ducked with his head and shoulders scraped with his more advanced hoof bolted the alcohol to use the learned phrase and withdrew to his own domains i would advise thee jeanie said mrs bickerton and thou meetest with ugly customers of the road to show them this bit paper for it will serve thee assure thyself a neat little supper concluded the evening the exported scotswoman mrs bickerton by name ate heartily of one or two seasoned dishes drank some sound old ale and a glass of stiff negus while she gave jeanie a history of her gout admiring how it was possible that she whose fathers and mothers for many generations had been farmers in lammermuir could have come by a disorder so totally unknown to them jeanie did not choose to offend her friendly landlady by speaking her mind on the probable origin of this complaint but she thought on the flesh-pots of egypt and in spite of all entreaties to better fare made her evening meal upon vegetables with a glass of fair water mrs bickerton assured her that the acceptance of any reckoning was entirely out of the question furnished her with credentials to her correspondent in london and to several inns upon the road where she had some influence or interest reminded her of the precautions she should adopt for concealing her money and as she was to depart early in the morning took leave of her very affectionately taking her word that she would visit her on her return to scotland and tell her how she had managed and that summum bonum for a gossip all how and about it this genie faithfully promised End of chapter fourth